Well, it's always a privilege to fill the pulpit here, be with you. It's, uh, when we were wintered in Florida this last year, it was very encouraging to come back and see so many new faces and meet new people and uh, see that God is working and, and growing the church, and uh, it's just exciting to be, to be a part of this. Well, we've been on the uh, uh, series of campfire stories, so this morning I will tr- endeavor to continue. Uh, I will have some notes, but I will tell a campfire story about an Old Testament. Uh, let's begin in, in uh, prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for your word and your truth and your spirit, and we pray, Lord, that your spirit will come as we share your word and the truth. And we'll give you the glory and the praise. Amen. One thing we know is God is an all-knowing God, an all-powerful God. And sometimes in difficult times and and, uh, dark times, uh, we have a tendency to forget that. But we need to remember that God is in charge of world events. He doesn't sleep and forget about uh, the other side of the world or the events that are going on. His heart is turned towards all of us, of every person that he's ever created And his desire is to unfold his will in their life. And many times that unfolding comes through tragedy and heartache and suffering because that's part of living in a fallen world. Jesus said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will wax cold. But they that endure or they stand firm to the end will be saved. And and today I'd like to share a story about uh, uh, some young men that stayed true to the end and God helped them. There's two things I want to point out today in this this, uh, story. One is the power of God and the reward of faithfulness. The power of God and the reward of faithfulness. Now the setting is is, uh, uh, in Judah. The people of Judah had been uh, taken captive. Last week, our pastor shared about the story of Josiah, uh, a man, young man that came to rule as a king at eight years old. His father was assassinated, and he was uh, put in the position of king at eight years old, and he served 31 years before he was killed in battle. He didn't always do everything right. He didn't uh, honor God at first, but then God got a hold of him, And he began to honor God in all the ways, in all his ways. And it changed the nation. Uh, Judah, uh, uh, he was, he was king over the, the southern kingdom. And, uh, God used him, but then he was killed in battle. And just four years after that, Judah completely forsook God and went back to their old ways of worshiping idols and wickedness. <clears throat> this is kind of where the story picks up. Nebuchadnezzar was became king at the end of that four-year period. He surrounded the Palestine area and Jerusalem. He overthrew Palestine and Jerusalem and overtook the southern kingdom and made them a vassal state. That's where they got all of their slaves out of that and used them. And uh, so it was a very difficult time. To demonstrate his dominion, as I said, he he took the most beautiful women from Judah, took them captive to Babylon, and the wisest men and the best-looking men to serve uh, in his uh, kingship. He wanted them to be slaves. He wanted wise men to surround him. 
And uh, so he took Daniel. There was a young man named Daniel and his three friends, and they were taken captive and taken to Babylon. Babylon. So Daniel began to find favor immediately. And this this is something else I want to point out in the story, the difference between preference and conviction. Because the, those two things can change our life and our nation. Um, so when Daniel and them were taken captive, the, the king sent word to them that they were going to have all of the elements from the king's table, the, the food, the fat, fat meats, the wine, for them to get used to it in their service. And Daniel approached the overseer and said, if we could, and, and, and he presented it very carefully, he said, we would prefer to eat healthy foods, the, the, the vegetables and the water. And if it pleases the king, we'd like to do that. And, he, and the overseer, long story short, let him try it for 10 days and it worked. Now, that was a preference of Daniel's. It wasn't a conviction. He wasn't going to die if they didn't serve him food the food he wanted, but it was a preference and a request. And uh, sometimes uh, a preference is something that we can take or leave. It isn't, it isn't a, a conviction. <clears throat> so Daniel found favor. The king promoted him as a counselor. And the king all of a sudden had a very bad dream that troubled him and he couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, this king had kind of an exaggerated ego, and when people don't please someone with an exaggerated e- ego, usually the consequences are severe and overreaction. The king called all of the counselors and all of the, the wise men and all of the astrologers together, and he said, I've had a dream and it's really tr- bothering me, and I want you to interpret it. Well, the astrologer said, well, can you t- give us a little hint? Can you tell us a little bit about the dream? And and the king said, no. If you're for real, like you say you are, and if you're as wise as you project you are, you'll know what it is. And if you aren't, you're going to die. That'd be kind of a tough predicament to be in. So Daniel found out about it, and he uh, again approached his uh, leader, and he says, "Uh, if you'd ask the king if I could... Take counsel with God. There's no way any man on the face of the earth could know something that you've never even mentioned. But he said, if you will allow me to take counsel with God, God will give the king an answer. So they allowed him to. And that's something else I want to backtrack on. Daniel and the three guys with him didn't indulge in the worldly elements that were given them, which were just totally okay, but they knew it would affect them differently. But they did indulge in prayer, something that was healthy, something that was beneficial, and something that would ground them with the convictions that were worth dying for and plant them in their hearts. If we don't have convictions, we will waver during the difficult times of life. The church is weak today in a na- on a national sphere because we live by preference rather than conviction. Most Americans prefer Christianity. Very few live by their convictions during the difficult times. And if we only live by preference, we will take it or leave it and try to be successful people rather than godly people. And Mother Teresa said, we're called to faithfulness, not uh, success. 
These young men had a vision of that. So Daniel was drafted as counselor, and he interpreted the king's dream. The king had a dream about a big statue. It had a gold head and bronze and silver and clay and iron. And there was a rock that rolled and hit it, and, and it just fell apart and disintegrated, and it troubled the king. Daniel said, oh, king, and he, he uh, interpreted it for him. The king, the gold was the king. He was the most successful and powerful man on the world. Uh, but he said there will be divided kingdoms, and eventually your kingdom will fall, and that rock that knocked it down is from the God of all heaven, and he is going to establish a kingdom that will never fail. Well, at that moment, the king was really excited and thrilled to know what it meant. And he uh, promoted Daniel. There's a scripture, uh, Daniel 2, 48 and 49. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire providence of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. It was a pretty, pretty exciting time. And there's one, another thing I want to point about faithfulness is, is if God helps us to be faithful people and to stand in, in the gap, uh, there will be people that will be thrilled about us. But there will also be seasons where people dislike us. I, I worked on a, a unit at uh, Howard Community Hospital for 10 years. And uh, I tried to live a godly life. And there was a charge nurse that didn't like me. And one day she stopped and she said, I don't like you in front of everyone. And I'd go home and tell, well, I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to do a good job, live a godly life. And uh, Wilma's encouraged, I think it's spiritual, you know. Well, one day that nurse walks in, hooks my arm, pulls me aside, and she said, I want to tell you something. I found Jesus Christ as my Savior, and He's forgiven my sins, and He's changed me. And to this day, we're good friends. It was a spiritual battle. It was a battle that I had to endure, and these young men had to endure a battle that was far greater than that. So they were drafted, they were appointed, they were elevated to a good place. And the king forgot, after great success, the vision that Daniel gave him. And he wanted to unite his kingdom. And so he built this big, huge, 90-foot statue, 9 feet wide, and he put it completely gold. It was his he was in charge and he was going to unify his kingdom. Uh, he was going to do it. He had already forgotten that God was going to do something that no man could change. And so he called everyone together. He put them together. <coughs> and there's a, the next scripture. He made an image of gold. 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura. Now, the plain of Dura was a plain within the city of Babylon. It was, it was an area that was, could be seen from anywhere around. And he set this 90-foot uh, uh, gold statue in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, 
prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to dedicate the image that he had set up. Now, the satraps were governors of the major divisions of the kingdom. The prefects were governors over the conquered cities. They oversaw those and kept people in control that were exiled. And the governors were civil administrators of all the provinces. So these were all the very leading people of the government that were there. And he summed them up there to let them know that he had commanded them to do uh, as he had said. He called them there and he said, Now when, this, this, uh, uh, when you see this uh, statue and you hear all sorts of music, all sorts of instruments playing and loud songs, I want everyone from every language and every country to bow down and worship this image. I find it interesting that when they heard the the sound and everyone fell down except those three Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the first ones to run to the king and tell on them and point out that they were doing wrong were the very men that Daniel had saved, the astrologers. I think it's interesting, too, that astrologers study the alignment and relationship of planets and the effect it has worldwide. They just didn't realize that they were observing three stars that were going to change the nation. So the astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews to the king. The king was furious. He called those three young men to him and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, is this true? Did you defy my command? He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a second chance. If you fall down and worship me, the next time you hear the sound, it'll be good with you. But if you don't, you're going to be thrown immediately into the fiery furnace. Now, the fiery furnace wasn't just a little place they warmed themselves with. It was an industrial-sized furnace that they melted gold and brass and bronze. It was huge. And the young man, in, in uh, my paraphrase, said, King, we don't need a second chance. We've already covered this decision long before we got to it. Know this, O king. We won't bow down. We won't worship. And we will serve our God. And the king says, Who can deliver you from my hand at this point? They said, Our God can deliver us and will deliver us from your hand. And even if he doesn't, we will still serve him. That's called conviction. They had moved from a a state of preference, which you can take or leave, but they were steady and sure on the one thing in their life, and that was they were dedicated to worshiping God and God only. And he was the, the, the foundation of the life. They had no idea what was about to unfold. There was, there was a major unfolding of God's will that was going to change a whole nation and free the slaves that had disobeyed God to worship Him once again. They said, we will not serve you. We will, we will not worship you. We will not worship this image. And then there's a, a third scripture. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar was furious. This is another point I want to make that sometimes people will be thrilled with us when we live in a preference and we prefer to do good. But when we take a stand and we, and I'm not talking about legalism, but a stand to where we have to draw a line sometimes and said, I can't cross this line because I love God and I worship Him. Sometimes attitudes change towards us. Have you ever had that happen? I have. He was furious and his attitude toward them changed. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Now, some of you know that I know a little bit about furnaces. Some of you don't. When I retired from ministry, I went to work and I was certified as a certified crematory operator and worked running a a crematory. And I know a little bit about the damage that a furnace can do to the human body. And this was seven times greater than that and probably 10 or 15 times larger than what a crematory was. And, and the flames were so high and hot, the king ordered the strongest men in the kingdom to tie them up, to bind them up. And, and I, I noticed the word in the, in the word of God says they had on their turbans their their uh, clothing and their trousers. Everything they had on was extremely flammable and they tied them up in those. <clears throat> so as the three men, as the men took the three men bound, they had to be carrying them if they were bound, tied hand and foot, took them up, the flames, it says uh, the backflash and the flames was so great that it killed all of the men that were carrying them. And when they fell down, the three men fell into the fire. And the king stood up and began looking. And this big ego, I can just imagine this big ego that says, I told them. They didn't do what I said and and I'm killing them. And then all of a sudden this big ego looks in there and sees four people. I think it was a jaw-dropping experience. I think it went from one thing to the other for the king. And he called all of the wise advisors around and said, Look, look in there, man. Didn't we throw three in there and there's four walking around? There must have been some kind of aura or Shekinah or glow around the other one because he said that one in there looks like the son of the gods. He looks different. And the king called him out. King said, look, I see four men. And the king approached the blaze and yelled for them to come out. And they came out and there wasn't even a hair on their head singed. Their garments didn't smell like smoke. Nothing was burnt. All of a sudden, the impossible became possible for men that were willing to stand on their convictions, to stand on something that was worth dying for. I don't believe that these guys had had the preference to go in the fire or not. They probably preferred not to do it. But it wasn't a matter of preference any longer. It was a matter of conviction, a matter of dedication to the God they loved, And a God that they knew that even if He didn't save them, they would serve Him. 
But little did they know, there was far more to the story than that. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve God or worship any God except their own God. It came to a point that they chose faithfulness over successfulness. They had a high position. They had a great life. They could have lived as exiles even. They had it good. And yet they preferred to serve the Lord. And the king said, Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against this God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. All of a sudden, their faithfulness had taken them on a wild ride. I heard one evangelist say, Walking with God is romance, thrills, and adventure. And they had been through a lot of romance, thrills, adventure. And God had seen them through, but they had no idea that their suffering and their faithfulness was going to affect a nation or a world because the king was in in charge of almost everything. He was a very powerful man. And he said, anyone that says anything about these gods... Their God will be cut into pieces. And then he went on to praise God and honor God. And the king promoted the three men to a higher position. They lived a life of conviction, not preference. They chose faithfulness over success. And what seemed like was the very end was just the beginning was just the beginning of God's will unfolding in their lives. As the praise team comes to sing, I want to ask you, what is, what is a, a challenge that's going on in your life? What is it that you can't see the end or it looks like it's the end? You may have a, a marriage that's suffering. You may have a wayward child. You may be facing a layoff. It may look like the end in many situations, but I want to tell you today, God has you in mind. When the people of Israel had disobeyed and failed God and were taken captive to a far land, God had them in mind and made a way for them to worship in captivity. So whatever it is that you may be dealing with today, realize that it's just the beginning of a glorious unfolding of what God wants to do in your life.